0: We're going to talk about Jesus walking on the water, which is pretty appropriate when it's so rainy. Um, I've got my DMs on, so I can actually walk on water right now, float slightly, but it's, it's this fifth sign, we're onto to the fifth sign in the book of John, where Jesus walks on the waters of an angry sea and frightens the life out of his disciples who don't recognize him until he speaks. And then his words, the words that he speaks in that moment of crisis is what brings the revelation of who he is. That's why I've kind of felt like I wanted to prophesy. (laughs) I believe that God wants to speak to some people today. So get your ears open, get your heart wide open, because God wants to speak to you. So Holy Spirit, we just want to invite you to to come and anoint this message, come and anoint my words, let the words of Jesus be heard. Father we want to hear your voice, we love the sound of your voice. Come and speak to us Father, come and be with us, come and join us Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I want to read to you first of all John chapter 6, it's going to come up on the screen for you. Uh, John chapter 6, just a few verses, 16 to 21. It's a very familiar story, but it's, it's this, that when evening came. Can we get rid of some of the echo here at all? It's a, it's a bit echoey, isn't it? Um, when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake. And when they got into a boat, then, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. And by now it was dark, and Jesus hadn't yet joined them the strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough when they'd rowed three or four three or three and a half miles they saw Jesus approaching the boat walking on the water and they were terrified but he said to them it's I don't be afraid and then they were willing to take him into the boat and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading I had a really interesting time reviewing this passage uh, because I'm really trying to stick to the book of John to really get out of it what John's trying to say to us. And and in many ways, it would have been much easier to look at one of the other versions of the story. So like in Matthew, for example, we, we would have had Peter walking on the water, which is kind of interesting and exciting. And the lessons are really easy to see about keeping our eyes on Jesus when it's a bit rough. And then Mark's got some details that are missing from John, which makes the miracle a little easier to understand as a story. But John is writing, as we keep saying, for a whole different purpose. His signs are not about the miracles themselves, but about what the miracles reveal about Jesus and who he is. And I've got to say, that can be a bit trickier especially because of some of the things that we see in John's version without Matthew and Mark's additions, they can be a bit confusing and even disturbing. So I've had a right old battle trying to write all this down to share with you, and I hope I can do it justice because, you see, John doesn't pad out the story to make it more comfortable. In some ways... He actually gives us more questions than answers, from a human point of view at least. So let me take you through the passage and I'm going to comment as I go through but here's the first thing I want you to see. There will always be storms. There will always be storms, it's just a fact of life. You know, night always follows day. (laughs) Good weather comes but so does bad weather. There are difficult times, but there are also good times in life. Where there is healing, there's also pain. Where there's peace one day, trauma can follow the very next. That's just life. And sometimes these storms just come out of nowhere, don't they? Sometimes they cause us to completely lose direction. Sometimes they cause us to... be taken completely by surprise, even shock, sickness, tragedy, pain, suffering, death, difficulties that we could never anticipate or prepare for however much we try to protect ourselves. And you know, sometimes the storms disillusion us. Am I talking to anybody out there today? Sometimes the storms disillusion us. It caused us to completely lose our sense of direction. We thought we knew what was going on. We thought we knew where we were going. And, and suddenly we're literally all at sea. Sometimes these storms cause us to be afraid. Sometimes they cause us to doubt. Storms that come threaten to completely overwhelm us and sink our faith. Even sink our faith. Even to question the existence of a loving God. Anybody. Anybody ever experienced any of that? Storms are going to come. That's what this passage shows us. They're going to come even when Jesus is here. (laughs) And so we need to understand this, first of all. We need to accept this because being a disciple of Jesus, how many of you know, never insulates you from storms, however much peace you may feel that you are entitled to have. Storms are still going to come. But I want you to see this. that The storm was never the problem for the disciples. They were used to it. You know, storms were really common in the Sea of Galilee. It's just geography. Storms are going to come. It's just geography. Some would come out of nowhere at any time it was expected. Guys, that's life. The storm shouldn't surprise us. And these were experienced fishermen. There's no hint in the passage that the storm had frightened them. (laughs) They may have been tired. They'd been rowing through the night, but they weren't worried about the storm. I'd always thought they were. That's kind of how I'd read the passage before, but there is actually no... Evidence that they were afraid of the storm. The problem for the disciples wasn't the storm. But the complete absence of Jesus. Where was he? You know, as they were tugging at the oars. Why hadn't he come? What was he doing? I know he's praying, but does he need to take so long? same question we ask, where are you in this, Lord? Why is this happening to us? What's going on? God, what are you saying in all this? I don't understand. And it's not that we have a theology, is it? At least not a deliberate one that says that difficulties won't come to us because we're Christians. I mean, none of us seriously believe that we are exempt from life's troubles, except we do, don't we? We don't expect it to be the same for us. And we're indignant that we should have to suffer like those who don't know God and find out that inadvertently we bought into the lie that says trouble will never come. And so we're shocked when it does. And we get mad at God and we cry out and we say, where are you, Jesus? Storms are always going to come. I don't know if you've ever been through a time... When you've wondered about God's plan. (laughs) God are you sure you know what you're doing? (laughs) I think that often. Are you sure you know what you're doing? Or there's those other times where he just seems distant, absent even, and, and you cry out and you say, why Lord? Where are you in this? Do you even care about us? But you see, the problem wasn't the storm for the disciples. It was the absence of Jesus. And that's the problem for many of us as well. Yeah, we expect things to be difficult. We kind of understand that. We don't like it very much. But where's Jesus in this? And the difficulty with John's story is that he doesn't really give us any answers. You know, if you flip over to Mark, it's much more reassuring. (laughs) He tells us that although Jesus is absent, he's praying on the mountain, and he sees them straining at the oars, and so he comes to them. I like Mark. (laughs) John doesn't give us this. He leaves us with the question, so that we feel it, so we're impacted by it where was jesus in this guys that's what we live with we don't always get to see the backstory of what's actually going on in the heavenly place because he's always interceding for us you know that don't you but we don't always get to see that sometimes i find myself saying lord whatever jesus is praying answer that please (laughs) now would be good (laughs) And obviously we know that Jesus does eventually appear in John's account. But there's even a problem with that because it's quite confusing. I mean, he comes at the end of the night. Oh, come on, Lord. Why is it always last minute that you come? I've been praying for like how long? And you come at the very last minute. That's number one. And then it's the form that he comes on in, completely terrifies his disciples. Jesus, at the moment I need peace, you terrify me. See, the disciples were never afraid of the storm, but they were terrified of Jesus when he came. Why? Well, it's Jesus' confusing appearance. Have they been confused by Jesus? Why were they afraid of him when he appeared? Well, Matthew and Mark tell us, that's why I like reading the other ones. <laughs> it's because the disciples thought he was a ghost. John does not make this remark. To so sticking with John, he writes for a different purpose To imply something else. Because they were afraid of something that didn't make sense to them about the one they thought they knew. Anyone? Kind of, Jesus, we never thought you were like this. never thought you'd let that happen we we don't recognize you behaving that way surely this isn't you 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 don't do that kind of thing surely this isn't how it should be this is the stuff of intercession isn't it lamentation crying out to God God why Jesus we don't recognize you doing magic tricks walking on the water who are you I don't know if you've ever had any of these kind of experiences of God, maybe it's just me, but times when you've asked these kind of questions even to face disillusionment and said, God, I don't understand you. I just don't understand you. Why would you appear in this way, like this, and so much later? And and then when you come, we can't even see you properly in the dark in the midst of the storm. And what we see then makes no sense to us walking on the water. I don't understand that. Why are you walking on the water? That's an uncomfortable thing, Jesus. I don't like that very much. And I know if, if we're honest with one another, and I hope we are, but I'm sure we could talk about a whole lot of times in our lives when things just haven't made sense to us and where what has happened has been so incomprehensible and when even his appearing, when it comes and sometimes the appearing is so many years after the event anybody? it's just confused us and we thought we knew about him but it doesn't make any sense to us That's what John's talking about, that's what he wants us to see, we don't understand him or recognise who he is and yet there he is, walking on the water, what's all that about? What sign is John trying to show us in this miracle? That's what I've been wrestling with all week and I think it comes to this, so, John wants us to go beyond this superstitious idea of a ghost to something that is altogether more terrifying. <laughs> and the clue is in the words that Jesus uses in his greeting. Verse 20, it's I. Don't be afraid. We could just so easily brush over that little phrase, it's just an introduction. But in the Greek, it's a Greek phrase which which we see in other um, contexts, is the divine affirmation. (laughs) I am is here. I am. He's here. I am the Lord of creation. That's why I'm walking on my creation. I am the one who is above everything all of this storm i'm on top of it (laughs) i am so be at peace i'm god i've got this even that storm (laughs) that just threatens to overwhelm and completely disillusion us i am He's here he's god so i think that john wants us to see the mystery and the terror of his majesty in this appearance of jesus as god it's a vision that the prophets of old would have fallen down as dead because the fear of the Lord would have gripped them. Jesus the man who is also God. You look on the face of Jesus and you see God and that is terrifying. And John who wrote the Revelation (laughs) saw that face in his glorified position and I reckon that's why he wrote this. He saw him, the Lord who reigns over everything. He is God. Jesus is God. John wants us to know this. For those that were doubting, at the time he wrote wrote his book, because there were people that were doubting the divinity of Christ, nothing new under the sun, he wanted them to know that Jesus is God. Do you know, I love the fact that the disciples don't recognize him like that, they don't recognize what he looked like, but they recognized him from the way that he spoke, from his voice. Jesus told us, didn't he? He said, my sheep hear my voice, they're not going to follow another. They recognize his voice. I think it was the words he spoke, but it's also the way that he spoke. And it says in verse 21, that then they were willing, <laughs> come into our boat, Jesus. Come and join us. We want you in the boat with us. And then another miracle happens. As Jesus gets into the boat, John tells us, and Many people miss this from the rest of the verse because it says, as Jesus got into the boat, immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. (laughs) It's a miracle of translocation. (laughs) Supernatural relocation. In the middle of the lake, three miles from the shore, Jesus gets into the boat and immediately they're at the shore. In John's account, you see, the storm is not stilled. Notice, but the boat is immediately removed from the storm. (laughs) They teleport three miles in an instant, showing that Jesus doesn't just get us through the storm, sometimes he completely removes us from it. Isn't that amazing? The threat of the storm is removed because you've been removed from it delivered. Wow, I think this is good stuff. So John doesn't answer all the questions for us about storms and why Jesus allows them. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Doesn't answer the questions about why Jesus sometimes seems absent, late, or just plain incomprehensible. To us, He just wants us to know that Jesus is God. He's the one that walks upon the storms and He comes to us in that place. That's what He wants us to know. And guys, whatever storm you find yourself in, the storm isn't the problem, but it's Jesus' absence from the storm. So call out to Him cry out to him and he will walk upon any storm. He will come to you and he will speak his word to you and he will sustain you in that place. See John doesn't guarantee that the storm will cease. Don't cheat and look at Matthew or Mark. (laughs) It doesn't help really does it? Because it doesn't always happen like that. doesn't Guarantee that it's going to cease even when Jesus comes, but he does say that Jesus will get you safely to the other side and sometimes he'll even remove you from the situation and you'll know that he was is with you and that he will do it. But we won't always be able to understand him or explain him. Sometimes we won't even recognise him. We won't have all the answers. We won't even know the right questions. <laughs> But he's god and who could ever know or fully understand him that wouldn't make him god that would make me god so i guess it depends how big your god is whether you can ever control or contain or understand him even in your thinking so as a little sidebar i just want to say he's the incomprehensible god <laughs> And the longer I walk with him, the more I understand, not understand this. He's incomprehensible. You'll all know this this verse from Isaiah 55. I bet you got it on your fridge or something. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your thoughts. And my thoughts than your thoughts beautiful wonderful verse but so uncomforting (sighs) how come when we face those impenetrable questions that life sometimes throws at us we don't think that this verse applies to us in any way we'll give it to somebody else when they're going through a hard time and say i hope that helps you i don't get it (laughs) (laughs) But we've never come to terms with that ourselves that he's that out there. He's incomprehensible. And it hasn't even entered into our minds what could have he has got in store for us. We can't even imagine it. When are we going to let that settle in our hearts, that reality? And then we're going to stop getting so disillusioned with him. Because we get it, our God is so big. And I might never understand things that happen in my lifetime. I mean, look at Isaiah, they, they wrote this stuff. He didn't get to see Jesus come, and yet he talked about him. Our scale, guys, isn't big enough. We don't have a big enough scale when we talk about God. Do you know what? The best thing that we can do for ourselves and others in a time of crisis is to be honest and say, I don't know, I don't know, I can't explain it, I'm sorry, I don't have all the answers, and if we can't humble ourselves and say that and not think that's a bad thing, it just means my God's so big I don't get him, we end up being like one of Job's comforters. (laughs) coming up with all kinds of theories and ideas, or this man sinned and maybe it's that or whatever. Guys, we know how that turned out. You know, when God turned up at the end of the book, he says, none of you got it right. And some of you are in big trouble for what you said about me. That's my Rob version. <laughs> so look, here's my advice for getting through the storms. Lay down your right to understand and simplify Thinking. God, you are always good, but sometimes life just sucks. (sighs) Can we say that together? (laughs) This could become a new prayer, couldn't it? God, you are always good, but sometimes life just sucks. Please be close to me today. Be close to me, Lord. I need you close to me. I can get through anything if you're close to me. Yeah? So how do we apply this message to our lives? We've seen that we're all going to face storms. This is a cheerful message, Rob. Thanks for reminding us. (laughs) Sometimes things are going to overwhelm us. Sometimes we're going to find it hard to find God's presence in those times. And when he does appear late, we're going to find it confusing or even frightening. How do we apply this message, kind of suck it up guys, (laughs) message? Um, Well, look, I want to draw your attention to the boat. I really feel like God has spoken to me about this. I want to share with you about this boat. Because look how the disciples were all in the same boat. See what I did there? None of them were excluded from the storm. Okay, just get that. None of them were more blessed than the others. None of them suffered less in the storm. They were together in the boat, wrestling the storm, pulling at the oars, going through the night, crying together, frightened together in the boat. You see, Jesus puts us together for the storms. <laughs> Matthew and Mark tell us, couldn't resist it, that Jesus made his disciples get into the boat together. He made them. And I, do you know when I first read this, I thought, that is really unkind. Surely you could have prevented them from going into the storm. No, storms are always going to come. Don't be silly. <laughs> but he made them get into the boat together compelling them to be together. It is literally the word. He compelled them to get into the boat together. Jesus always put them together. You notice that throughout the Gospels, he kept putting people together, sending them out on mission together. It's how he trained them. You're going to need to be together. You're going to need one another. Be together. Get in the boat And so when Jesus was crucified and the disciples were traumatized, where were they found? Together, in the upper room, door locked, fear of the Jews. But they were together on the day of Pentecost. Where were they? Together, in one place, in one accord, and the Spirit came upon them. And when persecution broke out after Pentecost, and Peter and John were put in the prison, what happened? The church came together and they prayed that's why we have to pray together there's power in that and then when they were released Peter and John were released from the prison they were beaten told not to speak any longer in that name what happened the whole church again gathered and it says they raised their voices together in prayer to God they cried out together in the boat (laughs) get in the picture And it says that the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God even more boldly. Together. Because we're in this together. Together. So what started in the boat continued in the church. A community of people. I could have gone back to Noah's Ark. It started there, didn't it? Right back there, Noah. His family, they were together. They got through the worst storm the world ever endured and were kept safe. God himself shut the door. Get in there. Stay together. Get the message. Together. A community of people who stand together when storms come. Of course... Guys, do you even understand what the church is about? Do you understand what he's done in putting us together? He says, my presence, my dwelling place is there. Amongst my people, that's where I live. You're going to encounter his presence in the church. Why would you want to be on your own? Why don't you come? (sighs) Jesus, they were waiting for him. They didn't get what he looked like, but his word came and they understood it. They heard his voice. His word is in this place, in the church, through prophecy, through exaltation, through encouragement, even the preaching of the word of God. (laughs) Why would you not want to hear that and be there for it? We should be able to hear Jesus' voice and know his presence in that place. And of course, the other thing is that it's much harder to be deceived in the place of community than when we are alone. We need one another to balance one another. You know, that's what we've so missed in this pandemic, isn't it? Just not being together. How are other people feeling about the pandemic? I don't know. I can't see them. I don't know. I see them on Zoom. It looks weird. Little faces. Where are the legs? <laughs> Their expressions are strange. Why are they looking like that? Oh, mute. Turn the mute The mute button. Can't even hear what they're saying. That's been our lives the last couple of years. We've not been together, but we've really battled for together because it's so important. We need one another not to be frightened by ghosts that appear in the storm. We need one another to balance us, to reassure us, or well, sometimes we just need a hug. Anybody? Just, you know, I just need a hug. Somebody hug me, you know? When we come together, we're an affectionate church, aren't we? And not everybody likes being hugged, but we kind of get random somehow. because we want to express that together and our love for one another tangibly. So get in the boat. (laughs) Don't withdraw. Don't isolate yourself in the storm. Find a boat with some people who will row with you and shout at the storm together until it passes. It's not just church on Sunday. Guys, we've been learning that lesson, haven't we? It's about doing life together. It's about those people that are going to root for you. It's those people that I can just go around and say, look, this is going on, guys. Pray with me. Shout with me. Shout to the Lord. I have that song as a a kind of a weapon. Shout at the Lord. (laughs) Change the word. Shout at the Lord. Lord, what is going on? I need people that can do that with you. Stand with you. Shout together. Shout at the storm until it passes. It will take you to the other side. You know, Peter, I've been, I've been wondering whether to say this, but it's really provoked me. And you know, as Peter, he got out of the boat. In, in another version, John doesn't mention that. And you'd think, come on, John, this is like well, the thing. He doesn't mention it. I wonder if he shouldn't have got out of the boat. Because he sank and he had to be rescued by Jesus. Stay in the boat, guys. You can stand on water in a boat. It's a bit precarious. But the water's under you. You're safe in that place. Don't get out of the boat. Perhaps he should have stayed in the boat. i just throw that out for free. And Jesus t- and John tells us that the boat moves supernaturally from the middle of the storm to solid land on the other side of the lake. There's a second miracle for those who get into the boat to ride out the storm. And I believe that is a picture of the church. Get in the boat. Get stuck into the boat. Build relationship, build community. Learn how to row together. Learn how to fight together. Learn how to pray together. Learn how to shout together. Learn how to cry together. Just be together. Eat together. Have fun together. But get in the boat. Get in the boat and bring others in who need to come and shelter as well. Amen? God has put us together in community, in fellowship, in family to ride out the storms together. And do you know, I don't think we've come to the end of storms. You know, even internationally, there are storms brewing in the distance, aren't there? And we have to pray. You know, what we did today was really important, that we pray together, called on the Lord of the nations. So let's be together and ride out the storms. Jesus you come to us on the waters of an angry sea and you speak to us. Father there's so much turbulence about out there at the moment. Jesus we just want to invite you to come into the boat with us. We know that you're already here but Lord we want to do it with a new seriousness because you're God. Be amongst us, be God to us in this church. Father I want to pray that you make us a steady ship and the storms that come. And Father I want to ask you supernaturally to transport some people from turbulence to peace in Jesus name get them through some individuals here that God just wants to take through and there's going to be supernatural healing supernatural restoration he's going to take you through the storm and out the other side Lord bring comfort you're the comforter And the storm, Father, is not the problem if we have your presence. So, Father, we ask you to come. Thank you, Jesus.